Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Our gracious God and Father, we praise you and we give you honor and glory. And we do ask this evening as we once again consider your word, that you would be glorified in your message, that your people would be strengthened by your word, and that we together would help and see or see and be helped by how we might lead our families in the ways of the Lord. We together, we praise you and we thank you. Uh, Do this for Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, I again greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, and I would like to this evening revisit a topic with you that I preached about maybe three and a half, almost four years ago, and it is the topic of family worship, the topic of family worship. Let me say to you that Uh, you might have already checked out just with that statement, family worship. Well, I don't have a family. Uh, Let me say to you that you may learn some principles tonight if you are a single person on how you might worship the Lord on your own. Uh, Well, what if you say, my kids are all out of of the house and uh, it's just me now and maybe my husband or my wife. Well, this also, I think, can help instruct you and your husband on how you might worship the Lord together. And so... What I would like you not to do is immediately mentally check out because you think this is just for uh, parents with little kids. No, I think that if you are listening carefully, this is for all of us, and it can give all of us some instruction on how we might worship the Lord uh, in our own homes. And so, upon reading this passage in Ephesians chapter 6, at first glance it may appear that the Apostle Paul is only speaking to fathers. But let me say to you that this command is directed to both fathers and mothers. And as I've said before, it's also, I think, something that we can all learn together in our own personal devotion to God. Fathers, you have been charged with leadership in the home. You've been charged to lead in such a way that you raise your children to honor and glorify God. But what is this command? Let's look at it again. Verse 4 Bring them, that is children, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Parents, that means that you are to be an evangelist in your homes. And the first people that you are to seek to evangelize are your own children. Now, your children may not be in your home. And yet, they may be unbelievers. Therefore, it is still your responsibility to evangelize your children. Call them to Christ Call them to turn to Christ. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Your children, they must be taught to obey God. They must be taught that God is holy. That they are sinners who are alienated from God because of their sin. They must be taught that the wages of sin is death and eternal separation from God. Your children must be taught that Christ came, lived a life of perfect holiness and perfect obedience to God. And that Christ laid down his life in obedience to God to secure salvation for those who would forsake their own righteousness, which is no righteousness at all, and trust in Christ alone. Your children must be taught 
and called to repent of their sins and trust in Christ. Some parents think, well, uh, my kids uh, believe in God and that's all that matters. No, brothers and sisters, the, the fact that your kids believe in God is not sufficient. For even demons believe in God and shudder. Brothers and sisters, you must not also tell your kids that Jesus is your friend. It may seem like a nice approach, but unless they know that they are sinners, and unless they know that they need forgiveness, unless they know that there is only grace in Christ Jesus, that they violated God's law, and that real judgment is a consequence of that, violent, of that, of that violation, then they will be in their sins, and it will be your responsibility for not calling them to repent of sin. If this is not emphasized, your kids will not understand what the gospel really is. They will not understand their desperate need for Christ. And you've been placed in their lives to be their first evangelist. Don't waste the opportunity. As parents, we must vigorously be committed to the task of evangelizing our children. Now, this is not the job of the nursery worker. This is not the job of the Sunday school teacher not the job of the youth minister or young adult minister, if all of those things are valid. And I believe there might be some place for them. But God has, again, and thank God for them, God has given you that responsibility. They have a true desire. They must have a true desire to see Jesus and to serve Jesus. And it's your responsibility. Now, again, going back to those teachers, I used to be one of those teachers. Uh, so I, I don't want to be too heavy on those who used to teach kids in a youth program, but my approach was a little bit different. I was almost saying to the parents, uh, you don't know how to do this. I'll do this for you. I'll take care of your children's spiritual well-being. You just make sure to bring them back next week. I was, in essence, doing the parents' job for them. Now, again, is there a place in the church for that? Of course there is, I think. But even now, your children and those who are hear and have ears to hear they're being instructed by their elder right now as i'm speaking do you realize that they're not just in here as bystanders innocent bystanders they're actually being taught right now if they have ears to hear and if we as parents let me just say this carefully if we as parents will make sure that they're attentive this is important because right now instruction is taking place. But when you leave this place, instruction will be on your hands. When you leave this place, instruction will be your responsibility. Uh, I, as elder, one of the elders of this church, I am instructing your kids, as it were, for 0.5% of the time of this week. You will be instructing them for the rest of this week. What will you do with that time of instruction? Who will instruct your kids? Will it be you primarily? Will it be your, the school system primarily? Will it be television and video games primarily? Parents, ultimately, spiritual responsibility is yours. Yours. God has entrusted these kids. Think about this. He's given them to you for a time. He's entrusted them into your care for a time, what will you do with the time that God has entrusted these kids into your lives? How will you raise them? Will you raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord? 
What of those who don't have godly parents? What do you do about them? I think it's important that we realize that there's a need for evangelism there. Maybe there are children who are in your kids' lives that your kids are befriending, and they are friend, and their parents are unbelievers. Maybe that's an opportunity for you to involve your life into the unbeliever's life. My wife, um, interestingly enough, she works at a Christian school with kids whose parents are unbelievers, many of them. And they befriend my wife, and uh, unfortunately, then they become my friend. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's actually a, a good opportunity because uh, it gives us the chance to interact with unbelievers and to show them what, what believers are like, to be around unbelievers and to have opportunities where we might call them to saving faith, or we might show them at least what it means to be a Christian just by being around them. And they can see, and, wow, and he's a pastor, and he's not that scary. This is important for us. God has given the most important task of raising children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord to parents. What a glorious job God has given us, isn't it? Isn't it a one? It's taxing sometimes. It's tiring sometimes. But I think if you are seeing your children as a mission field, although it sometimes can get weary, I think you will have a better perception of the joy that God has given you, the responsibility that God has given you to call that person to Christ. And what more do you want for your kids? Do you want them to be millionaires to buy you a house? That would be nice. Do you want them to get great educations and just to be doing well in life? That would be good too. But ultimately those things are going to pass and those things are going to fade. And what you want, what I want more than anything is for me to be one day on that bed that will eventually lead me into that glorious eternal land and know that my son Nazareth and my daughter Selah are saved and that I will one day see them again. That's what I want most. Deuteronomy 6 and verse 6. Listen to this. These words which I commanded you today shall be on your heart. Listen to what the writer of Deuteronomy says. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. This is a command from the scriptures on how we are to teach our children. Let me just apply this not just to children, but maybe even to those who are close and in, closely involved in our lives. Maybe it's a brother that we are close to, a sister that we are close to, a friend that we are close to. Maybe God is calling you to even more uh, intimate fellowship with them where you might call them intimately or, or more passionately to Christ. Teach them constantly. In the home, it is teach them constantly. It's a command that... that must not be understood as a every once in a while instruction. It's a command of when you sit down, instruct them. When you walk with them, instruct them. When they lie down, when you lie down, instruct them. When they arise, instruct them. The implication is that in this instruction is constant. That there is always teaching going on. There is not a time when you are not teaching your children. And can I say to you, there really is not a time when you're not teaching your children. They are learning habits from you. They are either learning uh, good habits from you or they're learning bad habits from you. They are learning, I can see this sometimes, some of you might notice this, uh, and I hope not to embarrass him, but there are times when we are doing worship, and I, I know my own posture, and sometimes I'm very aware, I'm always aware of what my son is doing, and sometimes he's standing just like me. 
Is he doing it on purpose? He is. Why? Because he's following a pattern. He's following someone's uh, actions. And that's constant. Whether I intentionally want to teach him or unintentionally want to teach him, he's learning. Therefore, what are you teaching intentionally or unintentionally? He's seeing how I speak to my wife. And I need to be aware that even though it's unintentionally, it's intentionally teaching him. Does that make sense? I, I might not be saying, son, here's how you speak to mom. But he's watching it and he's learning, here's how I speak to a woman. Here's how I speak to my mom in the way that dad does. This is important. We are constantly teaching, whether intentionally or unintentionally, we are teaching. The Bible says, when you rise, do you spend time praying? Listen to this. Privately, when you wake up, if you're single, together, if you're married, or with your kids, when you're together. Well, we are getting up and, and we're kind of getting along with the day. There, there can be a time to pray. Well, maybe my kids are out of the house. Maybe send them a prayer text. Son, daughter, this is my prayer for you this morning. They're not outside of, of their respect for you and your care and love for them. Does that make sense? That's still going on. One of my son uh, and now my daughter, one of our, our patterns that we do every day is that when I take my son to school, we pray. Pray that the Lord would give him boldness. Pray that the Lord would help him to be an example. Pray that the Lord would help him to make wise decisions, to be uh, someone that other kids can see Christ in. That happens every single day. There's not a day that goes by that we don't pray as we are going to school. My daughter is now hearing that every single day. And she will be involved in those prayers. And we pray for mommy too. That's an everyday thing. We pray when we go to bed. We are praying throughout uh, our time of family worship, which we'll talk about in a moment. There's not a day in our family's life where prayer is not done. When you lie down, spend time with your children. Reflect on the day. Reflect on God's provision. Reflect on God's word. Is there a time throughout your day when you are instructing God or instructing your kids in the truths of God's word? If you're saying, well, it's, it's every now and then, why isn't it every day? Can it be every day? Can there be more intention? Can there be more effort into making it something that's daily? Again, who's having the most influence on your children? Think about it. It's only going to be a few minutes of your time in the morning, a few minutes maybe in the evening, maybe in the afternoon, maybe just a few. It's worth it. It's worth the investment. We must not think, well, my, again, my kids believe in God. That's not the issue. It's not good enough either. The Apostle Paul commands fathers to raise their children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This command is uh, steady. It's continual guidance of disciplining your children. Not just a one-shot deal and it's done. It's continual. It's constant. If your children are going to live in your house until the age of 18, maybe 20, or maybe they're going to be fortunate like me, 30, uh, <laughs> think about all of the times of gospel conversation you can have with them. I'll say to my son Nazareth, you can stay at our house as long as you'd like, son. Because all of those conversations, I think, will build a good man of God and hopefully a good woman of God in our daughter one day. Sinners, 
They are our children, aren't they? But they're only saved by God who gives grace and who gives faith. Prayer works. They're never going to be good enough to save anyone. And how will they be saved if they're not confronted with the truth that they are sinners and need to be saved? How will they have a true authentic faith to believe if they're being presented with a shallow gospel? Again, believing in God is not the gospel. It's repenting of sins and placing your faith in Christ. That's the gospel. Tonight, I'd like to share with you uh, what to teach, when to teach, the uh, opposition or to teaching, and uh, motivation to teach your children. This shall be rather quickly and keep track on some of the points I go through. Number one, what to teach. May I say briefly, uh, this is for everyone. This is not just parents, what should you teach your kids? This is what every believer should teach anyone who wants to know. There are great tools out there that can be helps for you. But here's the, the main tool that you need. Ready? Here it is. You, you need God's word. You may say, well, that's easy for you to say. You're a minister. Your family has an advantage. What's my advantage? I have a relatively good understanding of God's word, but how did that come about? By reading, by studying. So therefore, there's nothing stopping you from having at least the same information that I have. Open your Bible, read your word, and teach your children or anybody who wants to know. Teach them what? Teach them about the God who created all things by his word. Teach them about six days of creation and seventh day rest, which we still observe today on this Lord's Day Sabbath. Teach them what? Teach them about God's command to Adam to be fruitful. The command of God to Adam not to eat from the tree. The consequences that God promised would come if he disobeyed. Teach them what? Teach them the fall of man and the grace of God promised in the seed of the woman who would crush the serpent's head. God has given you his word. It's there to instruct your children. And listen to this. And maybe even your children's children by your instruction. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Imagine this. Imagine you teach your children so well that you develop such a pattern in your children's life that when they grow up, they have such a pattern already ingrained in their lives that when they have kids, Lord willing, they will say, I will pass on to you what was passed on to me and you will see what was practiced in your home practiced in theirs. You could by you, what you're doing now affect generations to come should the Lord delay his coming. Don't you want that? You could right now establish a legacy of faith by practicing very simple gospel teachings in your home. And brothers and sisters, if it's not in your home, you could be starting legacies of faith by sharing the gospel with those who don't believe, by calling them to faith. Who knows, you could be the instrument that someone you, or points back to and says, I heard the gospel from Scott. I heard the gospel from a, a lady named Ophelia. I heard the gospel from a man named Ray, from Ralph. And now here I am, serving Christ. Teach your children the holiness of God. Teach them what? Teach them the holiness of God, that God is perfect, that he is without sin, that he is the only one that is perfect. Teach your children that God is holy and that God requires holiness in order for anyone to stand in this presence. Teach your children what? 
Teach them about their sin. Show your kids the fall of man. Show them Adam's disobedience. Teach them that Adam stood as our covenant head, as God established a covenant of works with his son Adam. Teach them that Adam's fall was our fall. That when Adam sinned, we all sinned. Teach them that we have all fallen short of the glory of God's perfect law and that we deserve punishment. Teach them this. Explain it to them. Listen to this. Explain to them what the punishment is. Don't hold it back. Tell them about hell. Tell them about eternal separation from holy God. Explain the heart of sin and the manifestations of that sin. Explain to them that no matter how good they are, whether that be in school or whether that be in life, they will never be good enough to turn God's wrath away from them. Share with them how you came to realize that you were a sinner. You ever shared with your kids your own testimony? You ever told your kids, here's how the Lord brought me to faith. As I was writing this, I thought, I haven't done that with my son yet. Share with them how you came to faith and how you were once separated from God. Share with them how there is hope in Christ. And that hope is not found in us. It's found again in Christ and Christ alone. Which leads us to our next point of teaching. Teach your children the perfect work of Christ. Explain to your kids that God himself came in human flesh and lived among us. Explain that Christ lived a perfect life and died the death that we deserve. That God showed that he accepted his sacrifice by raising Christ from the dead just as he promised. Teach your children that Christ ascended to the rightful place of glory at the right hand of God. And that he offers forgiveness to those who repent and believe in Christ. This should always be talked about. It should always be something that, that is at the forefront of what we do. This should always be something that, that is so talked about in your homes that your kids can share it with other kids. And here's the thing I would ask your kids, and I've asked my son this, who, who have you shared the gospel with, son? You believe in Christ? Yes. You have a friend? Yes. Uh, have you shared Christ with him? No. It may seem like a silly question since he goes to a Christian school. Well, dad, they're, they're always hearing about Christ. But have you shared the gospel with him? We don't assume that just because we are in a church that everybody here is a believer, which is why we always are preaching the gospel. And we don't want to assume that just because someone may have kids who go to a Christian school or uh, maybe even know friends who are supposed to be Christians that you should not share the gospel with them. Let's be clear. What is it? What do you believe? Call your kids. Teach them that repentance and faith is necessary. Can I say to you this? All you can do is make the call. All you can do is to bid them repent of their sins and come to Christ. You are not the Holy Spirit, though. Only the Holy Spirit can change their hearts. You may say, gosh, I'm not seeing faith. I'm not seeing evidence of, of, of uh, fruit of salvation in their lives. Keep calling them to repentance. Keep bringing to bear upon their souls the consequences of continuing in sin. Make that real. And that goes for those of you who uh, maybe are knowing people who are not believers. What do you keep saying to them? You keep calling them to the fact that they will stand before God one day. The wrath of God is real. They will have to endure it for the rest of eternity if they do not turn from their sins. God the Holy Spirit 
through this gospel message. He draws his people to himself if he so wills. Urge your children. Plead with them even to trust in Christ, to seek him while today is still today. That's just the beginning. Teach your children to acknowledge God. Teach them to love God. And what does it mean to love God? It means to obey him. If you say you love God, then you must obey him. If you say you love God, then you must follow Christ's example. And here's another thing. Your kids are also going to follow your example. So when you fail in the home, it's important for you to say to them, I'm sorry. I've failed. And that's why you and I both need Christ. Not just you, son or daughter, but me too. Because daddy is not perfect and neither is mommy. We need Jesus and so do you. Teach your children to be watchful. Teach them to run from temptation and even teach them to run from kids in their schools who might lead them astray. Ask them, oh, who's your best friend? Is it Eli? Hey, is Eli a believer? What church does Eli go to? Does Eli get in trouble a lot? You might want to stay away from Eli. And then you might need to tell them, you better stay away from Eli. <laughs> right? Eli's a good friend of my son's. He's a good kid. His grandfather worked at Smith's Bakery, and he always gives us treats, so he's, he's okay. <laughs> Teach your children to stand up for truth. Teach them to be bold. Son, daughter, is this what you believe? Then stand up for it. And don't let anybody dissuade you from standing for that truth. No matter what comes, no matter if it doesn't make you the most popular kid in school, stand for that truth. Oh, how I wish I would have had that resolve in school. How I wish I would have had that resolve that, that I am an ambassador for Christ in school. I wish I could do it all over again. But thanks be to God that it has come now rather than, than never. Teach your children. And God has provided for you his heart. He's given you his mind in these 66 books. And he's called you to teach your children. He's called you, uh, those who don't have children, or maybe even those who have children who are not in your home. He's also called you to teach them as well. You're, they are not outside of your authority. Call them to turn to Christ. And maybe you're single. The word of God, his heart, his mind is still at your hands. Maybe it's uh, those who you are working with that need to hear repentance and faith. Call them to it. Or maybe it's those at the recreation center, at the, the elder senior center. Call them to, to faith in Christ. Wherever you are, don't dismiss these principles as being applicable to you because they are. It's the gospel. And it's all of our responsibility to pass it on. How do we teach? Let's go again back to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1. <laughs> I we need to apologize to my wife. I said to her, it's only going to be about 20 minute sermon. I'm a preacher. It's never going to be 20 minutes. <laughs> Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for that is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, let me say to you that which I'm about to say, they are wisdom suggestions. They are not biblical in the sense that here's the chapter and verse of where you find that. Rather, they are they're just wisdom wise, I think, suggestions on how you might teach your children. What you teach in your children should be something that you've seen modeled in the church. 
Therefore, what's happening in your home should be a type of, let me be careful how I say this, mini church. Okay? That doesn't mean, therefore, (laughs) that we invite others to our mini. That's not the point. The point is that you are modeling what you're seeing here and trying to apply it in your home. It's to be a kind of microcosm of what we practice here. So here are some suggestions, okay? These are debatable. These are up for discussion. You don't have to do them. I'm just saying I think they're wise decisions. Here they are. Have your teaching tools available. Uh, Each person in, in your family, they should at least have either a Bible or a Bible accessible to them that they can look on with. So if there's a Bible... Let's all look on together. Or maybe, kids, you have your own Bible. It might be good to teach them to learn how to get to Matthew, to learn how to get to Ephesians, so they can see what the chapters are. The big number is the chapter. The small letter is the verses. It might be helpful for them to start to see how to do those things. Our family, uh, we use a Bible. My son is reading out of it. And we also use the Baptist Catechism, which my son reads out of as well. Here's another one. Gather where you usually gather. You see how this is kind of like what the church does? We all have our Bibles. We usually gather where we gather. In the home, where's the place where you all worship? Wherever that place is, make it the usual place where you worship. Maybe it's the living room. Maybe it's the kitchen. Wherever it is, try to eliminate distractions. Yeah? Here's another one. We gather uh, each Lord's Day. I would suggest to you that the scriptures are at least commanding that you gather daily. Now, this might not be possible for everyone. Some of you work long hours and your schedules are are crazy. And so to get a few minutes sometimes is a blessing. Maybe use it for family worship. But as often as you are able, gather with your families. When I was younger, my family and I rarely, maybe this is yours as well, rarely sat together and ate together. Maybe my home is just a weird home. Maybe you all, because you all are looking at me like, that's weird. Uh, Maybe you all sat together around your table with the family, like uh, some of those very special families on TV that I can't think of the names of. Maybe your family did that. Our family never sat around the table. When we ate, we all went to our separate rooms. We all went to our separate places. We ate in front of a TV or we ate in the place that we liked to eat. That's what we did. Each person usually went their own way. There were many times I can remember sitting at the dinner table with my father having conversations, but that was rarely all of us together. If that's anything like your family, can I say to you, try to break that. Each Lord's Day over the past like maybe four or five weeks, my family and I, we've been sitting around our dinner table and talking about our Lord's Day. It's something now that's become kind of a tradition for us, and I think a good one, a healthy one, where on the Lord's Day, we sit around the table and we talk about our Lord's Day. Does it last uh, the four and a half hours that we're on break? No, it lasts about an hour. But then we all kind of migrate to the living room, and now we take our, our afternoon nap. And it's, it's a wonderful thing, but there's something unique about this day. That doesn't happen every single day, right? Every single day we are gathering in the living room, usually, and that's the place where we have our family worship. It should not be burdensome for you, right? It's, it's, it's important, but it should be something that is a joy for you. Think about it. Wake your children up. Pray for them. Talk about the goodness of God when you get them ready. If it's possible for all of you guys to gather at once, then do so. If it's not, then find a time when you're able to get together. But make it consistent. Be consistent with that. Uh, Our family, it's, it's usually about an hour, maybe 30 minutes before we go to bed. It's that winding down time for family worship. 
How long? Here's another one. I don't know. Like that one? How long? I don't know. How long? Well, it depends on the kids. Depends on your resources. If you have, if you have active kids, it may be harder for them to sit and listen. But you at least, at least need to help them understand we're starting somewhere and let them see that there's at least this time where you need to sit and listen to God's word. It's your responsibility. Train them. Uh, don't let them train you. I can't do it because my kids are too crazy. Well, they're training you. You train them. You're the parent. They're not. Next one, have a plan. Uh, when the elders of the church come and preach, we don't just wing it. We have a plan of what we're going to teach. You should also do the same. When you come to have your time of family worship, know what you're going to talk about. Be prepared to feed your children. Another suggestion, start with prayer. Ask God's blessing over your ears and their ears as his word is read and as you teach your children. Ask that God open the eyes of your children as they hear the gospel. Here's another one. Read the text. Don't just tell it to them. Read it. Read it out loud. Show it to them. Let them see it. Let them read it. Here's another one. Explain the text. Don't just read it and assume they understand. They're kids. And if they're older, then that's great. But let's just assume that they're kids. Explain it to them. Tell them what God is saying. Ask them questions about their understanding of the text. Involve them. Involve them in the conversation. Allow them to engage by bringing their own feelings, their own ideas to the table and correct them if need be. Here's another one. Be pure in doctrine. Now, these are unnegotiable. You need to be pure in your doctrine. Make sure you're te teaching the children the right doctrine. Don't abandon right doctrines to teach your children. Uh, make sure you're teaching them the true gospel. But also aim for simplicity. There's many times where I have to bring a, a deep doctrine down to my son's level in order for him to understand. It's doable. It's doable. And sometimes I have to say to my wife, how do I say this? What would I say? And she's always helpful in that area as well. Encourage them to participate. Ask your kids uh, if they understand, how they understand. But then gently correct them if they're wrong. What we don't want to do with kids, or even others for that matter, we don't want to squelch their desire to know. Does that make sense? If you're constantly telling someone wrong, wrong, red button, wrong, wrong, all of that, kind, they're not going to want to have any kind of conversation with you because people generally don't like to be wrong. So help them to see you're on the right track. Let me just tweak some of what you're believing or what you're saying right now. Help them. Do any of you guys like to be wrong? No, I don't either. But we're often wrong and we need to learn to accept it, right? And so do your kids, but we need to do it in gentle ways so that we can help them grow. All right? Here's another one. Be affectionate. Uh, I love doing worship with my family. And we need to show them love when we're doing worship. We don't need to be... Uh, domineering per se. We don't need to be kind of banging the table per se. We need to be people who, who are loving through that time or else they're going to hate that time. They're going to see that time as the time when dad or mom gets really mad <laughs> rather than the time that dad or mom really enjoys and they're going to look forward to it. Be affectionate toward them because that time of, of affection is going to have an Im imprint on what they think worship is about. So be aware of that. <clears throat> 
Uh, J.C. Ryle says, love is one grand successful way of training a child. Uh, require attention, though, right? Don't allow your children to... Make them sit up. Have them uh, have good posture during this time. It's the word of God. Make them understand how important God's word is and how we must reverence it. It deserves God's respect. But then that means you must also not go too long. If they're already having that kind of posture toward that worship, be aware of it. And don't provoke them to more anger. Let's work on that. They're kids, right? They are going to naturally not be able to sit too long. So don't be too long-winded, right? Here's the last one. Don't provoke your kids to anger. That's Paul's instruction. That means, doesn't mean that you give them their way. That's uh, being, I guess, wrong toward the other direction. But it is meaning don't be overly stern with them. Don't treat them like an inmate. Treat them like a child that you love. Be careful not to overly show your authority without also at the same time showing great love. You could provoke them to anger by maybe sometimes favoring one child over another and pointing out flaws over and over and over again. You could provoke your children to anger by setting unrealistic goals for them. I I did that. My son was, I think, two, and I was getting upset with him about What's this word? You don't know this word? I just told you this word. How could you not? And thankfully, my wife had to say, bro, chill out. Calm down. He's only two or three. He'll get it. And that's, that's important. I'm, I'm telling you some of the mistakes I've made. I hope you know that. This would be making your children to feel like no matter what they do, you'll never be happy or proud of them. And you definitely don't want that. You can also provoke your kids to anger by giving them everything that they want, (laughs) spoiling their kids, not giving them responsibility, not giving them enough things that help them to grow up. You can provoke them to anger when you as parents are not listening to your children, when you're not inviting their thoughts. You can provoke them to anger when you don't acknowledge that you're wrong, but you're constantly pointing out that they're wrong. You can also provoke your kids to anger when you don't ask them for forgiveness. I can't remember very many times when my father said, I'm wrong, please forgive me. I can remember a lot of times he was wrong, but I can't remember a lot of times where he said, I was wrong, I'm sorry. Don't be that person. You can provoke your kids to anger by not allowing them to grow up, by not trusting them with certain responsibilities. You also can't provoke them to anger by just completely neglecting them altogether. That is being too heavy-handed and then not having any hand upon them at all. How many of you can acknowledge that rarely you've had a spiritual conversation with your parents growing up? Well, you can change that. You can start a new path. Pray. Ask your kids and your wife how you can pray for them. Don't shut down the request. At the end of this time, together say, son, daughter, how can I pray for you? Is there something you'd like to pray about? And sometimes they'll say, yes, pray for so-and-so. Pray for this particular situation. At least ask them. Try to be short with your prayers. Be simple. Be direct. Be natural. And sometimes don't be too preachy, I would say. 
because they're modeling your prayers. My son, if you ask him to pray, his beginning prayer is going to sound a lot like the way his mommy and daddy pray. Because he's heard us enough times that now he's saying the same things we're saying. You're instructing your kids on how to pray when you pray. Now, this is another one that we don't do, but I, I'm not opposed to it. Sing. Sing with your kids. Sing hymns. Uh, my son loves to sing, as many of you well know. Uh, he loves to sing. My wife is a wonderful singer. Singing is not just for those who know how to sing, like my wife and my son. It's for all of us, though. If maybe there's a song in church that, that we're singing that you like, sing it with your kids. Or maybe you're single, sing it at home. Let that time at home, whether you're single or with your kids or whatever, let that be time that, that is used to honor and worship the Lord. Sing. Sing with all your heart, especially at home. Because I know you're not singing with all your heart, but in the home, in the house, sing as loud as you want. I think it'd be helpful. And then pray again as you close. Let, let me go to number three. What happens if you fail to teach? If you fail to teach, then your kids are going to grow up like many of us. With parents who didn't teach us. And we know, looking back, we can say, gosh, I wish I had somewhere that someone there to teach me these things when I was young. Don't make that same mistake with your kids. They will grow up without a foundational understanding of God, sin, Christ, repentance, faith, the story of redemption and the coming of Christ. Do you want that for them? I think you're going to say no. Then do something about it. Teach them. They will essentially have to fend for themselves. They will encounter many false religions. They will encounter many sins that they will have to wrestle against. They may seek wealth in this world rather than finding the wealth in Christ and seeing Christ as their true satisfaction and knowing that they are rich in Christ. Who knows? Uh, the Lord may save them if he so pleases. But wouldn't you want them to have at least the better foundation than you did. He might not save. They might grow up and not be saved, but at least they have a strong foundation of the gospel. Wouldn't you want them to avoid many of the dead ends that you and I ran into? Wouldn't you want them to know Christ and to be a witness for him? And here's another thing. Wouldn't you be excited if they grew in their faith and they said to you one day, uh, mom, dad, dad, mom, I want to be a missionary. I want to bring the gospel that I was raised to believe and to know. I want to take it to the nations. Wouldn't you be blessed if they said, Dad, Mom, I want to go to seminary. Uh, Dad, Mom, I want to uh, be a minister of the gospel. That'd be awesome. And it would be thanks to the foundation that you laid in preaching to them, sharing with them the word of God every single day. Last and finally, what, what's motivating us in all of this? God's motivating us. God's commanded it. Do you need any more motivation? This is what God says. Let us obey it. The spiritual and emotional health of your kids is at stake. The health of your wives is at stake. And let, let me just say, husbands, this also applies to how you lead your wife. It also applies to what you do with your wife and how you share the gospel with them. All of these principles apply in the same exact way. And also, I think there's a satisfaction of having a good conscience. I, I, I did what God commanded me to do. There's do it because God said it, and then there's the satisfaction of, of what motivates me, and I did it. He said it, and I did it, and my conscience is clear. I love that. I want that for all of you. 
Uh, don't be a parent who looks back and says, I wish I could do it all over again. And if you are a parent who says that and your kids are still alive, don't waste what time you have left with them. Go and talk to them. If you're a single person, there are those in your life that you know right now that you say, I've been wanting to share the gospel with them. What's stopping me? Don't let yourself come to the end of your life and say, I, I asked every Sunday, pray for this person, pray for this person, and I never went myself and told them the gospel. Just do it. Be happy in knowing that you obeyed God for the glory of God. Let's finish with these words. These words which I commanded you shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons, and you shall talk with them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. Let's pray.